we're in a series called Live Like You're Dying. Live like you're dying. And, and you know what? It's not really about the dying. It's about where do you go after you die and keeping that in mind. But you know what? Most people I know would say this, especially Christians. I'm not afraid to die. I'm afraid of how I'll die. Would that be, a lot of you say that? Would you say, it's not so much I'm afraid to die. I'm just concerned about how that happens. Like the guy I heard talking one time, and he said this, when I die, I want to die peacefully and in my sleep like my grandfather. Not like the passengers in the car he was driving who were kicking and screaming. <laughs> okay. Oh, all right. Come on. That, that, oh, anyway. So I, I've been dying to share. I've been dying to share that. Okay, guys. I said dying to share. But here's the thing I want you to know is that according to Lee Strobel, who's going to be here next week, I cannot wait for you to hear from Lee, who wrote The Case for Heaven. Lee said there are certain questions that are asked more than any other about heaven. And so I'm going to go into five of those, five of the most asked questions about heaven. The first one I'm going to take more time on. Here's why. It's the one that's asked by far the most. And I would say this. It is the one that I've had more people ask me about than any other. Uh, but I'm going to take more time on that, and then we'll go through the others, and I'm going to give you meaningful things to know about them. But I want you to dive into that with me. Before we get there, I want you to know the Bible does give answers. In other words, the questions we're asking, God gives answers to, and those answers are found in the Holy Scriptures. And so what you need to know is this. God wants you to know that heaven is incredible. Jesus wants you to know that if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, he goes ahead of time to prepare a place for, for you and for me so we can be with him always in heaven. And heaven's going to be amazing. And heaven is a place that is actually eternal where there's no time. There's no past, present, or future. You won't age in heaven. Some of you are young and you don't really care about that. Hey, you get my age. I don't know that I care. But you know what I want to tell you is the good news. Your body won't waste away. You won't break down. Uh, Craig talked about that last week. You won't be someone who perishes or become defiled. Why? Because heaven's a place that's imperishable and undefiled and eternal. And in Ecclesiastes 3.11, a verse that Craig shared in his sermon, he said this, God said this, Solomon said this. He said, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So heaven is a place of eternity. Heaven is a place so incredible it's almost impossible to describe. And it's the place where God dwells. God loves you and wants you close. That's why he wants you to come to be in heaven with him. But by he, right now, while, he, while we're on earth, he's still with us. In Isaiah 57, it says this, the high and lofty one who lives in eternity. Who is God? The high and lofty one who lives in eternity. The holy one says this, I live in a high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirits of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. So you need to know this right now. God comes close to you when you're hurting. God comes close to you in your pain. Uh, and you know what? You need to know he would never run from you. He always comes to you. And what's he want to do? He wants to comfort you. He wants to revive you. He wants to lift you up. But when we get to heaven, it's the ultimate restoration. 
It's the place where he restores our crushed spirits if we're truly humble. A place where he revives our courage if we're truly repentant. And God wants us to know that when that happens, something else occurs. Heaven is a place of no more sadness. No more sadness. Never being sad again. Why? Because God, God is going to wipe away every tear from your eyes. He's going to hold you close. It's going to be a time of comforting. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 3, talking about what happens in heaven, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people and God will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or sorrow. No more sorrow or crying or pain. No more crying and no more pain. So all these things are gone forever, it says. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. Did you catch that? God says, I want you to know how this is trustworthy. This is true. You could count on this. That when you get to heaven, I'm going to wipe away the tears from your eyes and you'll never shed a tear again. You'll never be sad again. You'll never feel pain again. And why I want to say that for me, that's an incredible promise. But I think you and I are going to share in this. Get ready. Think about this. Isn't it a bigger promise for everybody else you love? You know what? As uh, we have a, a worship pastor on staff who has a, a daughter named Ella who had to go through cancer treatment. And to have him look at her and think she'll never feel pain again. Praise God, by the way, she is now not only a survivor, she's a victor. She's a victor, which we cheer for. But I'm betting money, my friend Tim, will look at Ella and think it's going to feel so good to be in a place she'll never feel pain again. She'll never be afraid again. She'll never be cold again. You know why? Because God's going to, to bring her into something brand new, brand new. Um, and whenever I look at people I love and I see them in pain, man, my heart goes out. My heart breaks. My eyes very often fills with tears with them and for them. But I do think about, hey, someday this isn't going to happen anymore. And I can't wait for you to be in that place. By the way, I personally can't wait for you to be in that place. But I want to ask you, will you be? Will you be in heaven? Only those who love Jesus Christ with all their heart are going to be there. And that's something I want you to know about. And again, it's a place, a place that's so incredible, you can't believe it. So let me ask you a question. What are the things you would love to know about heaven? What would be your top five questions about heaven? And let me go ahead and lay those out for you now. Number one, I'll take a little more time on and then we'll go quicker. Uh, number one question to ask about heaven is this. Will my pets be in heaven? I think that's so interesting because it really is the most asked question I have. I, I was at a high school study here at our church not long ago, and I'm walking by, and a bunch of the high school students ran out and go, oh my gosh, you know, we heard you're going to answer that question, and they were so excited. And uh, and I want you to know that if no matter what age you are, people are asking that question, will my pets be in heaven? Or another way they word it, will animals be in heaven? Peter Kreeft, who uh, was the head of philosophy for Boston University and is an eminent scholar in the field of philosophy and also an on-fire Christian. I mean, this guy loves God with all his heart, and, uh, and he's respected in both philosophy and theology. Uh, Peter Kreeft said this. He goes, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt there will be animals in heaven. And he said, I am sure my cat will be in heaven. 
<laughs> Some of you are wondering, is he a Christian then? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> My assistant, Tracy, uh, whenever I make those jokes, doesn't like it at all. So something will happen in my office this week, like a fire in the electrical room. <laughs> Am I the only one? Okay. All right. So here's the thing. There will be cats in heaven. There will be dogs in heaven. That's what he's saying. And Kreeft went on to say something else. He said C.S. Lewis believed that. Some of you are wondering who C.S. Lewis is. He's another famous Christian scholar uh, who wrote a series of books for children called The Chronicles of Narnia, but then a lot of other amazing books too. And he taught at Oxford University. But here's what I want you to know is Lewis said that too, that when I study scripture, when I get to know God, I know that my pets will be in heaven. I know there'll be animals in heaven. But what does the Bible actually say? Because that's those two men's opinion. Let's go to what the Word of God tells us. Number one, it tells us that God cares for animals, and he wants you and I to care for animals too. Uh, Proverbs 20, 20, or 12 verse 10 says, The godly care for their animals. So if I am like God, I will care for my animals. If I'm a godly person, I will care for my animals. It says, but the wicked are always cruel. The interesting thing about that word care, the godly care for their animals, the word care, center in on that, is a Hebrew word yada that means to know, to notice, to learn, and to hear. So God says, if I'm a godly person and I'm like him, then I'm going to know my animals. And by the way, Jesus talked about knowing his sheep so well, he knows them by name and they know his voice. Uh, I will notice my animals. I will learn from my animals and I will hear my animals. In other words, I'll, I'll be in tune to what they're sensing, feeling, communicating. Uh, so what I want you to know is that that's what the, we need to do. So the idea is we're going to know our individual animals and we're going to watch them. We're going to know them and we're going to care for them. Some of you probably went, wait a minute, learn from my animals? <laughs> for sure. By the way, I want to say this. I think my dogs exhibit unconditional love better than most humans do. Uh, some of you would agree with me. Uh, I think my dogs exhibit unconditional love more than most humans do. And by the way, my dogs are easier to live with than most humans. <laughs> I heard about a guy one time who said, man, it is tough being married. It is tough being married, but it's easy to own my dog. And the guy said, why is that? He said, if I took my dog and my wife and I put them in a trunk for an hour, when I opened the trunk, who'd be happy to see me? <laughs> okay, I was told not to tell that joke. And I told it. <laughs> I've been waiting all July to bring that one to you. Uh, if you didn't like it, put it in the, no, don't put it in the chat. Just email Doug at CrossroadsChurch.com. No, I'm kidding. But here's the thing. God says, I want you to know that when you're a truly godly person, when you're like me, you're going to know your animal. You're going to care for your animal. You're going to notice them. And you know what? Here's what God is saying. I care about animals. I really care about them. Uh, God says this, that all animals in actuality belong to him, which is another reason why I think they'll be in heaven. Uh, not only does God want to know them, God says, I own them. They belong to me. So God very seriously cares for and loves and says the animals belong to him. And in Psalm 50 verse 10, it says, For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountains. Look at that. I know every bird of the mountains and everything that moves in the field is mine. See, 
and uh, where I live is up in a place called Rim Forest, California. And out uh, our back area, uh, we have a meadow. And in that meadow, my, my neighbor, who's an expert on birds, takes some of the most beautiful pictures of birds, has spotted 50 different species of birds. But I want you to know what that verse said. The verse didn't said, say, I know every species. God says, I know every single bird. I know every single bird. And, and Jesus said something about that. Jesus said, not one sparrow will be forgotten by God. Uh, in Luke 12, verse 6, it says, are not five sparrows sold for two cents, and yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Which, by the way, is another reason why I believe animals will be in heaven. He says, I care for them. I know them. And, and I want you to know, I'll never forget them. I'll never forget them. So I believe it, it's another reason why we can believe that God is going to bring the animals into heaven. Uh, let me give you another reason. When God destroyed the earth in a flood, he remembered Noah and the animals on the ark. So he didn't just remember Noah. He remembered the animals Noah brought on the ark with him. Uh, Genesis 8, 1 says this, But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark, and God caused a wind to pass over the earth, and the water subsided. So he looked and thought, Man, I know, I, I'm remembering Noah. I love Noah. And then the Lord says, and all the beasts and all the cattle, all the animals on the ark, God remembered every single one of them. God noticed every single one of them. And uh, the other thing we know is that God will not bless somebody who doesn't care for animals. The godly do care for animals, but God won't bless someone who doesn't. So there's an interesting passage at the very end of Genesis uh, when Jacob, who is also called Israel, he's the father of the nation of Israel, and Jacob's 12 sons are coming to be blessed. And, and two of them will not be blessed. And I want you to know they were men of violence, but men who did not care for animals. And it says this in Genesis 49, verse 5. It says, Simeon and Levi are brothers. The swords are implements of violence. And then he goes on to say this. Let not my soul, let my soul not enter into their counsel. Let not my glory be united with their assembly. Because why can't they be blessed? Why can't they have an inheritance? Because in their anger they slew men and in their self-will they lamed an oxen. Slaying men, but also lamed an ox. And God said, I saw that. And Jacob, don't you bless them. Don't you bless them. So God wants you to know that he won't bless anybody who doesn't care for animals. Uh, the Bible teaches something that I cannot wait for, and we're going to see it. If you're a Christian, you're going to be there. It's called the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. So let me kind of give you an idea of what's going to happen. The Bible says the rapture will occur. There'll be a time of tribulation. Then after the tribulation, Jesus Christ will return. And there'll be a 1,000-year reign where Jesus will reign on earth with us. During that time, he will restore the earth to what God wants it to be. And he will cause the animal kingdom and man to begin to live together the way he always wanted us to. Uh, and I want you to think about that. Because while Jesus is here, there's this amazing restoration. And you've probably heard these words before. Isaiah 11, verse 6. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. And a little child will lead them all. Little kids will go out and play with lions. Is that cool or what? It says the cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near the hole of a cobra. 
you know, we'll be standing there together and go, oh, it's so cute. That baby's playing with a cobra. I just think that's just so cool to think about. And then it says, yes, a little child will put his hand in the nest of deadly snakes without harm. Nothing, nothing will hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with the people who know the Lord. So what God is telling us is something pretty cool. He looks for a day to restore us back in relationship with the animal kingdom the way he always wanted us to, which tells us again how God loves and cares for animals and how he wants us to have a relationship with them, a relationship with them. And in Genesis, animals are called by a very interesting Hebrew word. Now, you've got to listen to this because this is going to answer a lot more for you. Uh, I think if you really trek with me, if you follow with me, in Genesis, which was written in Hebrew, when God refers to the animals, he uses a very interesting Hebrew word. It's the word soul. It's the word soul. In English, it's soul. Uh, and so what happens is it says this in Genesis 1, 20 and 21. Then God said, let the waters teem with swarms of living souls. Now, the English has creatures, but the literal Hebrew word is let it teem with swarms of living souls. Let the birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of heaven. God created the great sea monsters and every living soul that moves with the waters swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind. And God saw that it was good. So where we have the word creatures, God is literally saying, no, 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 they're souls. They're souls, which mean they have souls. They're living souls. Genesis 1, 24, then God said, let the earth bring forth living souls after their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. So in this situation, in this moment where God's describing, describing the creation, he's actually saying that when I created animals, they had a soul. They had a soul. Uh, the word creatures, the he Hebrew word nefesh, which means soul, breath, and living being. So in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible that we have, there in the Hebrew language, all the animals are called souls. So does an animal have a soul? You know what? The literal is yes, they do. Then when we get to the New Testament, which is written in Koine Greek, guess what? Animals have souls. And animals are called souls. Uh, in Revelation 8, 8, and 9, uh, we're going to use the word psyche, which means soul. And it says this, uh, The second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living uh, the creatures were in the sea had life and died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. So what I want you to notice is that word life. A that, that each of those, those animals had life. They had life, which is the Greek word psyche, which means soul. And, and so it literally is saying this, a third of the creatures or that which were in the sea had souls, had souls. So does an animal have a soul? The Bible clearly says that it does, which is another reason why I believe animals will be in heaven. By the way, uh, scientific study shows us something that really gives us an idea that an animal does have a soul, uh, especially when it came to the study of dogs. And the studies found this. They found out that dogs show and feel affection towards their masters. Now, almost all of us who love our dogs, we know that. But, but the study shows that it's not just us uh, anthropomorphically putting that on them. Uh, what it's saying is, no, no, they actually do. The reason you believe that is because they actually do have genuine affection and show genuine love. 
Uh, Science Magazine in April of 2015 reported studies by Duke University and one out of Japan that verified the Duke study that the dog's brain goes into the same bonding patterns that human brains do. Now, now I want you to think about that. When a mother holds a baby, there's bonding because of a neural connection. Uh, when a man and woman love each other, there's bonding because of a neural connection. When friends care about each other, there's bonding because of a human connection. And that same bonding happens with you and your dog. That same bonding happens with you and your dog. In other words, when you gaze into your dog's eyes, not have an intense stare, but gaze into their eyes, the dog's brain actually releases oxytocin and begins to bond with you like they do with someone else. But then here's where the study really got really interesting to me. They found this, that dogs don't do that with other dogs. By and large, they don't, but they do with humans in a very special way. And I believe God created us to have that relationship because we'll be in heaven one day with them. Uh, the British Broadcasting uh, Company reported findings exactly the same. By the way, there's another study in 2014 that was done in Budapest where they did MRI studies on dogs. They did MRI imaging on dogs, which, by the way, makes me wonder, what is the healthcare system in Budapest like that dogs get MRIs? I know people here that can't get them. Uh, that's a different subject. They did find using MRI imaging that they have a heightened mirror imaging when they're with an affectionate master and even another dog. So in that case, it could be with another dog that they're close to. But what it found was this, that the dogs could tell the difference between their master and someone else, and they could actually have what's called mirror neurons, where they're able to show, well, here's where it goes, empathy. Mirror neurons were put by God in our brains so we can empathize with people, and dogs actually have the ability to empathize with their master, with you which is mind-boggling, but cool. And you know what? God created them that way. Why? Because we'll have a relationship with them, and I believe that relationship will go on in heaven. Uh, kind of a quick side note, that same study found out that dogs know the difference between different languages. They know Spanish from English, English from French, uh, which I just think is also cool. So they, they have an amazing ability to connect. That's the whole point. Solomon who was the wisest man who ever lived besides Jesus, had a struggle with his faith. And he, he shares about that struggle in a journal that we now call Ecclesiastes. But in the midst of it all, as he was wondering about eternity, he says something very insightful. And it says this in Ecclesiastes 3, 18 to 21. I also thought about the human condition. I thought about the human condition, how God proves to people that they are like animals which I think is interesting, that God proves to people they're like animals. For people and animals share the same fate. Both breathe and both must die. So people have no real advantage over the animals. And Solomon goes, but that seems meaningless. How meaningless? Both go to the same place. In other words, when they die, Solomon says, I know that both go to the same place. They come from dust and to dust they'll return. And how can and who can prove that a human spirit goes up and the spirit of the animal goes down to the earth? So one of the things he said at this at the very end, we all go to the same place. But then he says this, you can't prove we go to heaven and animals don't. By the way, let me say that. You cannot, there's no verse of scripture that tells us that, that animals don't go to heaven. None, not one says that. But a multitude of scriptures point us to the fact they most likely do, if not for sure do.
Now, I want you to think about that because in Revelations 19, when Jesus returns, what will he return on? Uh, I think even if you're not a Christian, you know the answer to this. When Jesus Christ comes back again, when he splits the heavens and he comes to return to the earth, the Bible says, what does he come returning on? Are you ready? A white horse. A white horse. So there has to be at least horses in heaven. And not only will he be on a horse, Revelation 19 says that we will be with him. Remember, there's the rapture and the return of Christ where we come back with Jesus Christ and there's a millennial reign. And when Jesus comes back, he's on a white horse. And we are too. We're on white horses also. It says this. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it is called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a white robe dipped in blood, and his name is called, I love this, the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. So what is the Bible teaching there? Without a doubt, there will be horses in heaven. And I believe there will be all the other animals in heaven. Uh, when Jesus Christ came the first time, he came riding on what? Do you remember? It was on Palm Sunday and he was riding on a donkey, which was a, a, a literal a prophecy that was fulfilled literally, a literal fulfillment of prophecy. And I believe this prophecy of him coming on a white horse will be literally fulfilled too, which means there will be horses in heaven. And I also believe along with dogs, along with cats, uh, along with all the other animal kingdom, every bird remembered. And, and we're going to be in the midst of a paradise of God that has the animal kingdom in it, which by the way, for me, whenever I get out of the midst of nature and I see nature, I feel closer to God. And I think that's because heaven, heaven will have that aspect to it. That's my belief. So I want to ask you a question I think is worth asking. Will you be there? How sad in my mind if your dog goes to heaven and you don't. Your dog's in heaven waiting for you and you don't show. You're not there. When I shared that with my wife, Pam, that thought, she goes, oh, that is so sad. Now, it would be sad to miss your kids. It'd be sad to miss everybody else. But that's another aspect of the love that's in heaven, that's waiting for you. And the Lord wants you there. The Lord wants you there. So the question I want to ask you is, will you be there? And the only way anyone goes to heaven is by having faith in Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one goes to the Father but through him. So I want to ask you that question again. Will you be there? Do you have a genuine love relationship with the Lord who not only loves the animals, but loves you? And by the way, loves you more than the animals. While he loves the animals, the Bible's clear. He loves you and knows you and values you even more than the animal kingdom or any animal within that kingdom. He loved you so much he died on the cross for you. And so right now I want to say this. If you are not in a close, intimate relationship with the Lord, the one who made you to share love with each other, Love with him and love with the animals. You can have that. How do you have it? Will you give your life to Christ? And so before we go on with the next questions, I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you, are you ready to commit your life to Jesus Christ? Are you ready to make that decision? And the Bible says, how do you do that? It's just like when you get ready to get engaged. You have to say yes. You have to actually voice, yes, I'll marry you. And in Jesus' case, yes, I'll give my life to you. So let's pray right now before we go into the other questions. Lord, I pray right now for anybody who needs to make that commitment to come to know you. 
either or a recommitment to come to know you. And I pray, oh Lord, right now they'd be ready to do that. And if that's you, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me and I know you died on the cross for me. And I know you died for my sins. So please forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. Please heal me from hurt and from pain and free me. Lord, free me from anything or anyone that will hold me down or hold me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours and I pray you'll make me alive and I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes to you. Just say those words. I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And praise God if you prayed that prayer. And by the way, that means you're going to be in heaven one day. But even more, you're going to know God's love in the here and now. And if you prayed that prayer, text amen to 77247. Text amen to 77247. All right, so if you're ready to hang with us, let's dive through the next questions very, very quickly. Uh, the next question we get asked, the number two question right after, will my pet be in heaven, is will I have my identity in heaven? And let me just tell you, yes, 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 you will. When you get to heaven, you'll be you because you're a you that God loves. Uh, by the way, Jesus said this, and he lets us know it when he tells us that Abraham will be Abraham, Isaac will be Isaac, Jacob will be Jacob, and you'll be you. And imagine Matthew 8, 11, it says, I say to you that many will come from east and west and recline with the at the table of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. So in heaven, we'll recline and go, that's Abraham, that's Isaac, and that's Jacob. And, and so the Lord wants us to know that, and he wants us to be aware of it. So definitely, you will be you. But I get really excited about this. Not only will you be in heaven and have your identity, this part's cool, you will not have your body. Uh, you'll have a different body, a glorified body, a transformed body, a body that's more you than you've ever been before, but one that I can identify and know you by your identity in. And in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble being into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of his power, uh, for he has... Uh, that that he has even to subject all things to himself. So he's going to transform our body. Uh, in other words, you get a brand new glorious body that I think is super incredible. I believe with all my heart you won't gain weight. But by the way, this isn't one of those questions you will eat. You will eat in heaven, uh, and the Bible teaches that. So that's pretty cool to know. So you'll keep your identity. You'll also keep your ethnicity. Uh, you'll keep your ethnicity. Uh, one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. I quote it a lot. It's in Rome, uh, Revelation 7, 9 to 10. It says this, he's in heaven. After these things, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could count from every nation. And the word nation is the word ta ethne, from every ethnic group and all tribes and peoples and tongues. Standing before the throne, before the lamb, before, uh, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. Now, now here's the cool thing. Uh, uh, when I ever I get in the Crossroads family and I look out and I see all the different ethnic groups represented, uh, everybody of different ethnic persuasions, uh, 
that can't be right. It's, they're, they're, I've heard it's used as ethnic persuasion, but you're not persuaded. You're born. <laughs> but, you know, my assistant is Lebanese. Uh, I have people in our, our uh, from actually South Africa who are part of our church family, uh, from the Philippines, uh, from Korea, uh, uh, many, many Hispanic people from different Spanish backgrounds. Uh, you know, and then we've got a bunch of people like me that are mutts. <laughs> it's another reason animals will be in heaven. I'm a mutt. I, I don't know how many different ethnic groups are inside me. Uh, but here's the thing. Everybody keeps that. Why? Because it's beautiful. The you you are, the ethnic uh, uh, background you have, the you are, you're beautiful to God. And you're going to carry that even in your new body. And so you'll have that in heaven. So yes, 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 you'll have an identity. Number three, is there marriage in heaven? And the answer is no. No, there's no marriage in heaven. Now, uh, some of you are going, oh, that's a bummer. And others of you are going, yes. <laughs> Don't say who you are. Don't say who you are. But, but what I want you to know is this, is that Jesus said there's no marriage in heaven. Uh, in Matthew 22, 28 to 32, people were trying to trap him, talking about the resurrection. And that's where Jesus said these words. He said, there's no marriage or giving a marriage in heaven. None, none whatsoever. And, and, and this to me is very important to know. If you're single, you're not going to get to heaven and go, oh, they're married and I'm not. Matter of fact, if you're single, you're not going to be identified as being single and another person identified as being married. That won't be a part of your identity any longer. And, and I think that's incredibly good. Uh, too often in the church, I've had some of our single people say, sometimes, Pastor Chuck, I don't feel at home at Crossroads because I'm single and it seems like there's so much about marriage. And I try to be sensitive to that, by the way, because one's not better than the other. Really, I want to say that. One's not better than the other. And, and when you get to heaven, this is the other thing. You're going to love everybody the same. And you're going to be loved by everybody the same. So you won't love a marital partner more than you love someone else. Love goes to a whole new level, uh, a, a more incredible level, a more embracing, engaging, uh, uh, encompassing level because heaven's a place of pure love. And so we don't need marriage there because you know why? You'll never be lonely and, and, and you'll never feel left out. And so that's going to happen for you in heaven. Uh, number four, this is a big one. Our baby's in heaven, or another's will my baby be in heaven. Maybe a baby who died in the womb through miscarriage, children who died young, or what about children who are aborted? The answer is yes, 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 they'll be in heaven. They won't be babies, though. Uh, they'll be in their transformed bodies. I'm not sure what age will be. By the way, we were in a meeting, and one of my pastors, Doug Hughes, asked the women in the room, what age do you want to be when you get to heaven? And uh, the majority of them said 27. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. I don't know it should be 27, but the baby won't be a baby, but the baby will have an identity, and you'll know your baby. You'll know your baby. You'll be reunited with your baby. Uh, David um, had uh, committed a great sin before God. And part of what happened, the result of that sin, a consequence of that sin is this baby would die. And God told him ahead of time, it's going to die. But he, he, he just wondered if I fast, if I pray, if I beg God, will he spare my child? So he did. He started fasting and praying and, and calling out to God. And, and then the child died. And he got up and he washed himself and he went and started eating and his servants couldn't believe it. And they went to him and said, hey, when the when the child was sick, you fasted and prayed. Now that it's dead, you're eating and drinking. And David said this. He said, while the child was alive, 
I fasted and wept, for I said, who knows the Lord will be gracious to me and the child may live. But now the child's died. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Did you catch those words? Now, David knew he would go to heaven. He knew that beyond a shadow of a doubt. Uh, in Psalm 23, verse 6, David said, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So he knew that he would go and be with God forever in heaven. And he said, One day I'll go to be with that child, but he can't come to me now. Now, here's what I want to tell you. When I get to heaven, and I shared this recently, so I, if you haven't heard, you can go and watch our online on-demand version of the message on abortion. Pam and I committed the sin of abortion. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt when I get to heaven, I'm going to see my child. What I don't know is if it's a boy or a girl, a man or a woman. I believe it's a, a boy, by the way. I believe it's his name's Matthew. I, I think that I just prayed and prayed and prayed, and I think God revealed that to me. So I'll see Matthew. Pam will see Matthew. And he'll know how sorry we are, but how much we love him. And we're going to re be reunited with our child. Um, when we first got married, Pam had a miscarriage. That was hard. That was tough. We're going to see our child. We're going to see our child. I've sat with other families who've lost a young child. And I can tell you this, God will have that child waiting for you in heaven. Make sure you're there. Make sure you're going to be there with them. But I want to promise you, God would never leave a child anywhere else uh, at all. He is going to embrace them quickly and take them to heaven, whether they were one who was miscarried, one who was aborted, or one who died at a young age. So you need to know that beyond a shadow of a doubt that God will do that. Number five, that, the last question. How can I be happy in heaven? If I know that others I care about are in hell. How can I be happy in heaven? There's no sadness there. How can I not be sad? I'm going to know as I'm fully known. I'm going to know who's there and who's not there. And uh, I want to tell you that might be the hardest question of all. Because I don't know how we wrestle through that. I think in our finite bodies, in the midst of the world we live in, not being in the fullness of the presence of God, we're never going to understand completely. But I can tell you this, that during this time, God wants you and I to do everything we can to reach people so no one doesn't get to go to heaven. I, I have that as a huge passion of mine. I think about that a lot. I want every one of you, all your family, all your friends, to go to heaven and be with Jesus Christ, but to be in his love now and to be in his love then. I do know this, though, that heaven will be so incredible, so amazing, that you're not going to feel like you're missing out, and you're not even going to think about the past days. Isaiah 65, verse 17 says, Behold, I create a new heaven and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or come to mind. Did you catch that? We're not going to be thinking about earth. We're not going to be thinking about the old days. We're not going to be thinking about, hey, well, I missed this. None of that. Why? Heaven will be so incredible. And it says, behold, I create Jerusalem for rejoicing and the people for gladness. So when we get to heaven, we're filled with rejoicing and filled with gladness. And we're never, ever, ever going to feel like we miss out. Which even though people won't be with us, I think that something about heaven is going to take over. That's going to be so amazing, so incredible. But I want to say this, that right now, the thought of you not being there, the thought of people I know not being there, that does make me sad. But the thought of people being there, that's a different one. Uh, when I was a next-gen pastor at Not Avenue Christian Church 
in Anaheim, California. We uh, had an amazing girl give her life to Christ. She was an incredible girl, vivacious, a leader, charismatic. Uh, She also was an incredible athlete and got a full ride scholarship to Long Beach State to play softball. And she ended up falling away from the Lord, but I'll never forget, we had a houseboating trip for our college students and she signed up to come and I was so excited and I never will forget the night that I was giving a message and I could see her so emotional to the point of tears and I gave an invitation like I just gave to you and she said yes to Jesus. She gave her life to Jesus. She was on fire for the Lord. Man, she started living life to the fullest. Everything became better. And uh, she actually played on our church softball team. (laughs) But she was our ringer. And she was our ringer, by the way. Um, Missy was her name. And one day she went to softball practice for our church. And she told some of the the girls she was playing with, she said, hey, I'm not going to stay. God's put it on my heart. I need to go forgive my father. Her stepfather had been abusive. Her stepfather had even molested her. And she felt with all her heart, she needed to go forgive him. Not say it was okay, not say it was okay. But she needed to go forgive him as a believer, as a Christian. And so they prayed with her. And she got in her car and she drove from Anaheim into Fullerton. Got out of her car to go into her mom and dad's house. She didn't know they were in the midst of a violent argument. She opened the door, stepped in, said something like hi. And her father turned around. He was holding a gun and shot her twice in the chest. She died right away. Last thing she was doing on earth is what Jesus wanted her to do. And uh, as we got ready for a funeral, a friend of mine who's a pastor was handed her journal. The second to last thing she wrote in her journal was this, just, just hours before she would die and then go to heaven. Listen to what she wrote. She wrote, heaven, would you like to know where I am? I'm at home in my father's house in mansions prepared for me here. I'm where I want to be, no longer on the stormy sea, but in God's safe, quiet harbor. My sowing time is done and I am reaping. My joy is as the joy of the harvest. Would you like to know how it is with me? I am made perfect with holiness. Grace is swallowed up in glory. Would you like to know what I'm doing? I see God. Not as through a glass darkly, but face to face. I'm engaged in the sweet enjoyment of my precious Redeemer. Would you like to know what blessed company I keep? It is better than the best on earth. Here are the holy angels and the spirit of just men made perfect. I am with many of my old acquaintances with whom I worked and played and who came here before me. Lastly, would you like to know how long it is to come? It is a dawn that never fades and that continues forever. After millions and millions of ages, it will be fresh and new. Therefore, weep not for me. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Philippians 1.23. Last thing she did on earth is what Jesus would want her to do. The last thing she wrote was true. More true than she would know in that moment, but would know within hours. And all of us one day are going to face an eternity. I hope you are ready to go to the one that God wants you to be in. 
an eternal home with God loving you, an eternal home with no sadness, pain, sorrows, or tears, an eternal home with so much love that your identity is not found in who you are here on earth, but in the love that Jesus Christ has for you, an eternal home where you're known for you and celebrated for you. Be sure you're there. Be sure you're there. I want that for you. And all our Crossroads family, let's make sure we're doing everything we can to go and see people come to know the love of Christ so they're there with us. And as we end today, I want to pray. Father, I praise you and thank you that heaven is going to be heaven because of Jesus, your presence and your love. And I think you, you that I praise you and thank you. You created us for heaven and not for earth, uh, for a place of wonder and not for the world. And I pray, Lord, that we will be then sure to live our life completely dedicated to you now. So we're there then. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I can't see, wait to see you guys next week where I'm almost sure we'll be back in our building. But no matter what, I've loved doing with you, this with you on our online campus. We love our online community. We love what God's doing here. And I want to ask you to do this. Not only make sure you're on Wednesdays and Sundays, invite people to watch with you. Have watch parties, have celebrations, have fun, and we'll see you on Wednesday. Well, everybody, thank you so much for joining our service this morning. And I hope you enjoyed Pastor Chuck's message on heaven. I did not know dogs go to heaven and I get to see my Border Collie champ in heaven one day. And I hope you guys can see your dogs in heaven one day. And don't forget, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, just text the word AMEN to 77247. Also in the beginning of service, Pastor Chuck and I mentioned that we're gonna be underneath the giant cross on campus. And so what does that mean? That means if you're local, we want to meet you. And so we know a lot of you guys watch online weekly, but you actually live near campus. And so we want to meet you guys, have an interaction and give you a cup of coffee and just hang out. And so if you want to do that, um, we encourage you to do that. Text the word meetup uh, to 77247. And next Sunday, Pastor Chuck and I will be there at 8.30 a.m. sharp and 10.30 a.m. sharp before both of our services, just to kick it, hang out um, and get to know you. But, but also, hey, if you joined in for your first time today, go ahead right now, if you're still on, just put a one in the chat and we'll interact with you guys. But guys, we love you so much and we'll see you next week.